from six feet under the virtual hardwood, it's a Halloween episode of the NLC Podcast. Also, episode 501. I am Andrew, your master of scaremonies. Also, Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLC on X. Joining me, my co-host, Deadly Derek, aka Deepa Scream. Okay, maybe more D for 3, uh, D for 3 in our forum, and D for 3G and D for 384 on X. Derek, what dark and twisted horrors. All right, what's new this week? Well, Andrew, I was able to celebrate Halloween through the NLSC Top 10 Plays of the Week. And fortunately for us, just like every week, the community came through with just some awesome highlights from video games past and present. And I was able to have fun with that Top 10. I was able to put it to some really, really fun, upbeat Halloween music. I was able to do Halloween themes within the top 10 in relation to transition screens, uh, you know, ghosts in the background. And I was able to give a jack-o'-lantern head to the NLSC quote-unquote Jumpman logo. And it was a lot of fun to put that together. And I loved seeing those highlights from, you know, official 2K Mac from NBA 2K4 with Michael Jordan. A highlight submitted by at B-Ball Video Games from Michael Jordan, Chaos in the Windy City, which has never been in the top 10 before, Andrew. Unique. Really nice to see that. Very unique. You uh, had a highlight in there from NBA Jam on Fire Edition using um, Headless Hank, <laughs> a headless skeleton, and he actually breaks the backboard in that highlight, and it's phenomenal. And just so many good highlights from the community. It was really fun to kind of you know celebrate Halloween through the NLSC and with community involvement because, honestly, this holiday – I haven't celebrated Halloween, I don't think, since I was a kid, Andrew. So um, being able to get my kicks through the NLSC this way was was awesome. No, it, it is cool. And look, Halloween is its not as big here in Australia. Some people are not that uh, fond of it because they see it as more of an American thing, which, of course, it is. But I've always thought it's a, a fun idea. Of course, I grew up with The Simpsons, and The Simpsons have their Halloween special, Treehouse of Horror, every single year as well. So... I don't mind the spooky season myself. And hey, it's an excuse to wear costumes and eat lollies. So, or, or candy, is, uh, as you would call it. So, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. And it's, uh, it's fun to do uh, content like that, to, to have themed content when the holidays roll around. Right, and when Christmas comes up, we, we obviously have a Christmas top ten. Absolutely, as well, yeah. Like a holiday special there. So look, I look forward to putting that together and getting all the highlights from the community. However, I wanted to ask you, Andrew. So I've been watching a ton of NBA TV, you know, throughout the preseason, now in the regular season. So I've been catching a lot of games, more than I've caught in years this early on. So I wanted to ask, how much are you watching the NBA so far this season? And what are your thoughts of the early regular season action that you've been able to witness? You know, I have caught a couple of games, and it's been my intention this year I've been a bit slack in recent years. I've not enjoyed the game as much. We've talked about this before, obviously, that I, I don't enjoy the current style as much as, uh, even as much as I did six, seven, eight years ago, I suppose. We're going, certainly going back at least 10 years. You know, I'm not. it's not just about 90s nostalgia, people. Uh, but I, I, I've decided, you know what, I do want to give it more of a chance. I want to watch the current NBA, 
you know, whether I think it's as good as the, uh, the, the era that I grew up watching, we grew up watching, is, is immaterial. I do want to watch it. I do want to be able to comment on it. I do want to be able to enjoy it as much as possible. So I am giving it a go and have watched a few games. I saw uh, Wembenyana's uh, debut game, his first ever NBA bucket, official NBA bucket, obviously, because the preseason doesn't count towards career stats, as we all know. And, you know, that was entertaining to watch. I actually really enjoyed that back-and-forth game between the Spurs and the Mavericks. And the battle between Wemby and Derek Lively, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that in Spurs versus Mavericks clashes. I thought that was a really fun game, and I really liked that idea of two big men, two modern big men, uh, having a, a rivalry, possibly. Derek Lively was impressive in that game, uh, incredibly active. Uh, the first couple passes that were thrown to him from Doncic, he, they just kind of like slipped through his hands or they went over his head because he wasn't expecting them. And you got to expect that with young players playing with players like Luka Doncic. It's the same type of thing as if, you know, a young player had to jump on the team and play with, I don't know, LeBron for the first time or with even you know go you go back like Jason Williams the players that throw passes that you don't expect so he, he had a little bit of a rough start in that game based on the you know the ability to read when Doncic was going to throw him the ball but then he got comfortable soon after and he was catching lobs and throwing it down he was catching the ball in traffic and finishing in traffic he was just incredibly active and i was really impressed because his fit on that team almost reminds me a little bit of time lord you know rob williams fit when he was healthy playing with the celtics you know somebody who is you know a lob threat who's who's going to be incredibly active around the rim who's going to be contesting everything so if he can stay healthy like rob williams couldn't he you know could be incredibly effective for that mavericks team and he's also the perfect type of player for a luka Doncic, you know to be put uh, beside Doncic. sure and the reason is and and not just Doncic, but also kyrie irving why because Derek lively doesn't demand the ball right so like a player like that can do all the hustle work. They can be a glass cleaner. They can, you know, be a lob threat and all of that stuff. And they can be incredibly impactful for their team. If you want to give an example of that, who didn't need the ball for the Cavs when they won the championship, Andrew? Tristan Thompson, right? Absolutely. But what, what was he for them? Cleanup guy. He would box out anybody. He was incredibly active on the offensive on the offensive boards when you did pass it to him he would often if he's not making a move he's going to give it right back and he's going to come up and set a pick for you right or he's going to set a back screen for somebody so i love those guys the the fit of guys like Derek lively along players like lebron james you know luka Doncic, etc the mavericks for me are in my opinion just a time bomb waiting to explode in, in relation to drama. Mm. I, I personally don't think that they're a contender. I don't think that they're um, going to be in the thick of it in, in the playoffs at all. I think that these explosive, super explosive performances by Doncic, where he's doing a lot of ball handling, where Kyrie's kind of standing in the corner a lot and whatnot, I, I think that at some point, it's going to get to Kyrie. That's just my opinion. Still considers himself, you know, one of the best offensive players in the league. No, I think that's a really good prediction. The other team that I see as a pretender, I mean, it's, it's very early on, obviously, but 
the Phoenix Suns, just the way they absolutely collapsed against the Lakers. And look, the Lakers have talent. LeBron is still pretty damn good, one of the best players in the league. They've got Anthony Davis, they've got other talent as well. But when you get outscored, what, 26-9 to or something in the fourth quarter after you've been in control most of the game, you know, there's the joke about how only the fourth quarter matters in the NBA. And that was that was a game that absolutely proved it. Well, there's kind of a silver lining for the Suns in that loss, right? They didn't have Beal or Booker. True, true. Oh, and they also were missing Beal and Booker in their last game versus the Jazz, and they won that one, right? So I think the advantage of a team like the Suns is they are deep enough to be missing one or two key guys and still have, you know, hover around a 500 record for those games. Because the acquisition of Nurkic, um, where he's not going to be dramatic like um, DeAndre Ayton, he's going to, you know, not be consistently pissed off if he doesn't get the ball enough, et cetera. I think that he is also more of a go-to guy at, at, at some points because of his activity, you know, off the ball. On offense, I think you can go to him more. I think that Nurkic is a great fit for that Suns team and one of the most underrated offseason acquisitions. And I think that Eric Gordon, you saw it in the last game, or you at least saw the highlights or the box score. Eric Gordon is going to be so key for them if he can stay healthy because he gets his shot off incredibly fast. Um, he needs no time, no blue sky. And in a league where teams are shooting 35 four, or, or 43s per game, um, you know, sometimes more. Now, there was one game where over 100 threes went up. Having a guy like Eric Gordon who moves as well as he does and ha- with that quick release and that high percentage that he shoots, what, what a great pickup for that Suns team. So, you know, when you have KD out there, Nurkic and Eric Gordon able to get you buckets and everything you can surprise some teams like they surprise the Jazz right so they the the Lakers weren't when they won that game they were not playing a full strength Suns team though that's that's a fickle that's a fickle I I did think when in the season opener of course they did beat the Warriors in that game but at the same time I I thought that uh, at times and and again Beal, Beal wasn't playing in that game so they're not at full strength as yet, so again, it's early. Maybe I'm just uh, throwing out a, a bold prediction, a wild prediction. But I don't know. I, I can just see them being the team that looks pretty good during the regular season, but then come come the playoffs, they're uh, second round fodder, kind of like they've been uh, with the the Chris Paul uh, Suns. Of course, they did make the finals and two wins away from the championship, so maybe that's a bit unfair. But I don't know I, I see them as a, a great regular season team, and they're not really getting that far in the playoffs or, or coming up short. I mean, Western Conference Finals is still an impressive effort, but below expectations obviously when you've got a player like Kevin Durant still in his prime but no I mean we'll we'll see it is early on uh as far as my favorite team the Chicago Bulls uh I'm I'm not very optimistic Derek I see another uh another disappointing year I mean Zach Levine went off for 51 points in a loss the other night against the the Pistons but I, I don't trust Billy Donovan as a coach at this point uh, I don't think he's been able to get the most out of players like uh, Markinen a few years ago, and look what Markinen is doing now. And Pat Williams, look, I don't know. Is he a bust? Is, is he? Andrew would not give Pat Pat Williams a max, a super max of two hundred million. And how terrible has he started the season after he made that comment? He, yeah, he made the and he goes, I'm, you know, I think he said something along the lines of he's seeking a super max and, you know, of around 200 million. And I think he's had like eight points, three points and zero points. Yeah. Is that what it is? The first three games? Yeah. Look, at, at this point, am I going to say that it's, there's no chance that it's the, the offense, that it's Billy Donovan? 
I, I can't say that, but you know, it's been a couple of years now. I know he's also had some injuries, but this is a guy who was a six man in college and that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to make it at the NBA level. Remember Dana Barrows le- led the, uh, NCAA in scoring, I believe, or, or the uh, his conference in scoring, coming off the bench in college, and he was a fine NBA player, one-time All-Star even. But I'm just not confident about Pat Williams now. Yeah, um, I've never been that impressed with him. Um, but these players who are not proven winners, who have not put up big numbers, all of that stuff, seeking this big money is just one of the uh, just another problem with the current product, right? <laughs> and I should be nodding on a roll in 2K as well. No, you shouldn't. That's <laughs> but I. Guess- uh, I guess Patrick Williams saw Dylan Brooks get 80 million, and he was like, "Man, it's a payday for me. It's got to be right. Yeah, like, I got to make more than that." But yeah, I want to go back really quick to the Suns. You know, you talked about them being a great regular season team. You know, at full strength, one thing that hurts them is having too many people who want the ball, right? To and not just want the ball, but want the ball to make something happen in the scoring column. Yeah. And I watched the jazz game you know, the other night and they were, they were consistently posting up Durant in the high post in the low post, which was causing double teams. And they were, while they were double teaming Durant, it was leaving people like Eric Gordon open for freeze. It was leaving their shooters open. But when Beal and Booker are back and that team is fully healthy, how many times do you think Kevin Durant is actually going to get the ball in the high post and the low post? I don't think they're going to look for it as much, right? Yeah. Now Booker is going to want to go one on one more. Um, Beal's going to want the ball more. They're going to want. They're going to feel the need to more evenly distribute to those three players in order to you know keep everybody happy and keep them involved. So sometimes teams can uh, like look better when they're missing key guys, um, kind of like the Suns did the other night against Utah. About your Bulls, I mean, it's about blow-up time, isn't it? I think so. The big three, if you want to call it that, and the lack of the ability to, you know, improve the younger guys and whatnot, or, you know, get good young talent through the draft, that, I mean, it's not going to work. Uh, you know, if you have a guy scoring 50-plus like Levine did, he had zero assists, by the way. If you have a guy scoring 50-plus like Levine did and you're losing, that is a monstrous red flag because it's also talking to your defense, right? So, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Bulls, but I feel your pain. Uh, so let's go to the Celtics here then. So I think Kristaps Porzingis is possibly, if he stays healthy, the – most important offseason acquisition mm. more than um, drew holiday on that same team more than lillard on the bucks etc why because christos Przingis is absolutely perfect for that system for missoula ball um missoula um is incredibly modern as a coach he wants to you know he wants to have shooters behind the three-point line now he has a seven three one Right. And Kristaps Porzingis operates in all of the places that Joe Missoula wants him to be like, that's the way he wants to run his offense. And in those games, you know, in the past where Al Horford tired out, where he couldn't get more than five rebounds, where he wasn't leaving the floor, where oftentimes he even looked like he was outsized as a result, et cetera. Kristaps Porzingis makes that problem go away. 
Now, the biggest thing with him, obviously, because he's had an injury history, is can he stay healthy, right? Now, Drew Holiday is a massive upgrade at the guard position over Marcus Spart. The combination of Drew Holiday and Derek White just gives them a steady, balanced, confident backcourt, right? Because I never thought Marcus Smart was a point guard, Andrew. I never thought he was a great ball handler. I never thought he was a great passer. I think sometimes he dribbled too deep into the shot clock. Sometimes he would start the offense way too far away from the basket, et cetera. So the fact that they have a more mature, balanced backcourt that plays the point guard that can play the point guard position the right way. And they still, and they don't lose anything defensively because drew holiday is an amazing defender and Derek white is an underrated one. Like, I think that they got better in the backcourt. They got better in the front court. And if they're going to win a title, Andrew, I think it's this year. Like this is this, in my opinion, is the best group to do it. I mean, they were, they were in the conference finals. Last year, with a uh, with a team that was that's not as uh, as well rounded, as well put together as as this one, so it's it's certainly you certainly have to put them in the mix. And look, I'm going to put the the Denver Nuggets out there as a strong possibility to repeat. I think a lot of people wanted to write them off. They look good. <laughs> Jokic was left off the uh, promotional graphics, so that's how much respect they're getting from you know the networks. But you know, people overlooked them last year and. How many defending champions like that get overlooked? I think it's disrespectful, but I would definitely put them in the mix. And I agree, having that uh, that stability in the backcourt, having a great floor leader, smart, as you said, was kind of a point guard out of necessity rather than it really being his true skill set. He was not, or certainly a, a playmaking floor leader point guard anyway. But no, they're looking good, a lot better than my Bulls, uh, to, to say the least. And, and as for the, the games, look, I, I have enjoyed the games I've watched so far. I'm still bothered. I'll always be bothered by the unnecessary amount of threes, uh, the uh, just jacking up threes and missing them, and then missing easy layups at the rim with very little defense, very little physicality. It's kind of like, really? You, you can't finish that? You're an NBA player. But at the same time, I, I saw some good action, and I am trying to be more positive, more optimistic about this year. And I want to at least catch two or three games a week. There's more than that. Uh, I have access to watch more than two to three games a week, but I want to make that the, the minimum at least. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm making an effort to watch this year. Yeah, I've watched more than I have in past years uh, at the beginning of the season, and I've been thoroughly impressed with the effort so far. Mm. The effort from the stars, the role players, and the bench warmers. Uh, I think that the game is play- being played uh, as fast as it has in the past, but it feels to me watching it that there's more effort to, you know, stop players at the rim. I, I see more rim contests. I see more physicality. I see the refs allowing a bit more physicality as well. And I think that that's much needed for the game because basketball has always been a physical sport and it's always been fun as a physical sport. Um, and they've been trying to take that out over the recent years. Before we go on, a reminder that the NLSC podcast comes out every week on the NLSC, me-live.com as well as our YouTube channel. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. If you're listening on any of those apps, we'd greatly appreciate a review. To keep up with the show and everything we're doing with basketball gaming in general, connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are The NLSC. We also have an Instagram, NLSC Basketball. And on YouTube, we're youtube.com slash Live Series Center. 
Once again, visit us at nba-live.com, where in addition to the podcast, you'll also find all of our original content, as well as our forum and modding community. So I absolutely agree about the Nuggets. Um, did you see that pass that Jokic threw from three-quarter court on an inbounds pass? It was an alley-oop to Aaron Gordon. Yeah, insane. And I, I think that that team, because they were able to keep all of their core pieces, you know, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, uh, Jokic, uh, obviously, uh, Jamal Murray, and everything, I think that they are absolutely primed to repeat if there was ever a team that could repeat, um, and it would be them. So I think that Jokic is fascinating to watch because he dominates the game in a very similar fashion to Luka Doncic, even though they play uh, positions that are at the opposite side of the spectrum, right? So one's a point guard and one's a center, but they're both incredibly methodical, but yet smart, right? And it's the fact that they both can be great passers if they want to be. They can take over from a scoring perspective. Um, they, they both have a similar arsenal of shots that they can make, whether it be, you know, 25 feet from the basket or five feet from the basket. Both are incredibly crafty. And, you know, they, there's a lot of talk about, you know, this guy is, can't be a great athlete if he doesn't jump high or run super fast. But there's something to be said about players, Andrew, who have great footwork and coordination absolutely yeah that part of athleticism in my opinion and the ability to you know maneuver about the basketball court um and you know basically outmaneuver and outsmart other players and you know how many players can hit these fadeaway threes and deep fadeaway twos that Doncic and Jokic can hit yeah, it really does highlight how it comes down to skill because we've seen a lot of very athletic players over the years that didn't have the skill set. And sure, they they could run really fast, they could jump really high, but they didn't they couldn't dribble a ball, like they couldn't make plays, they weren't great shooters. They didn't succeed at the pro level because now the the skill level was much higher than they faced in the past. They still had the athleticism, but not the skill set. Now obviously there've also been players that are kind of being both that they haven't had the the athletic ability to really compete or or dominate at the pro level but they've still had some skills have still been uh, useful utility players uh, but you have, get players like Doncic and Jokic they are athletic not in the way people think of athleticism as you said but also just tremendously skilled smart players and you know not to uh, to beat a dead horse but a lot of people say how could this player like how could a Larry Bird succeed in the modern NBA and I say, well, look at Jokic, look at Doncic. You don't need to have, you don't need to be the, the best athlete compared to the incredible athletes in the NBA to succeed if you are that skilled. And look, I don't want to draw too many comparisons to, uh, to Larry Bird. I mean, there, I saw a, an incredible one the other day on, on uh, X, Derek, uh, saying that Jason Tatum is better than Larry Bird. And people don't want to have that conversation. I'm not going to even talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we don't want to have that conversation because it's ridiculous. But the point is, Bird would succeed for the same reasons that Jokic and Doncic have. Don't want to compare them too much because that is Larry Bird. You know, I mean, Jokic obviously uh, starting to rise up the ranks. But yeah, if you have the skill set and you have the basketball smarts and you are an above average athlete, which Larry Bird still was, which Doncic and Jokic are, then you will find success in the NBA. Larry Bird had great footwork. He was super crafty and could make a shot from anywhere. Yeah. Right? What does that sound like? Sounds like a Doncic- yeah. 
exactly. And so, like, Jokic and Doncic have um, maybe the best footwork almost. And they might. They might have the best footwork in the NBA. And they're also both rugged in in their own way. Not muscly, but they're wide-shouldered, right? Like, Mm. they're strong. They're both wide bodies. You're not going to bully them. You're not going to push them around. You're going to bully them. Doncic is a big point guard. And Jokic is a big center, no matter what era, right? He's just a big guy. And so, like, I, I think that they're, they're both a joy to watch sometimes. Doncic kind of drives me nuts because he's kind of a ball hog at times. And when he goes into full ball hog Doncic mode, it can kind of get a little bit ugly. Yeah. But both those players can be um, super enjoyable to watch. About Wembenyama, we brought him up early in the show. I think he's intriguing. I think he is a great thing for the NBA. He is a fantastic thing for the NBA. He's great for promotion of the product. It's something the fans can get super excited about. This is something these fans have never seen before. This is a guy who's 7'4", 7'5", and he's proven it in the first couple games of the season, who can cross over and pull up like Kevin Durant, right? Is he as consistent? Is it as smooth? No, not yet. Will it ever be? I have no idea. But the fact that he can do that at that height is unbelievable. You know, he had that spin move on the Rockets in the post and he dunked it on the opposite side of the rim and it looked like he was playing on a toy hoop. And yeah, yeah. Uh, like Nerf hoop. It was ridiculous. So obviously it's intriguing. Now for me, when I watch him, my, like, his ceiling is high, right? Like he has a super high ceiling. The possibilities are endless. But I worry that he's never going to reach his full potential with the coaching and training that he is going to get. Why? Because I feel like they do want to keep Wembenyama mostly away from the basket. And I remember, and I've, and I've shown a lot of footage of it, Ralph Sampson. Like, I've shown a lot of footage of Ralph Sampson in the All-Star game during the season when he was up against the Celtics and everything. And Ralph Sampson was 7-4. And he operated primarily in the high and low post. And he had a lot more moves down there and in that range than Wembenyama does. And he was able to utilize his height and be incredibly effective doing that. I'm worried that he's going to be stunted in those areas based on the way he's going to be coached and trained during the NBA. And he's not going to reach his full potential of being like an all-around scorer, right? That's one of my concerns. The other concern is injuries. He did bulk up a little bit. I'm going to give him credit. And he does look better than he did when we saw the early footage of him. But that is one tall man, Andrew, trying to pull off a lot of guard moves out there. Those tall, those super skinny legs are moving incredibly fast out there. And I'm worried about him getting off balance at some point, you know, stepping on somebody's foot. I, honestly, I'm worried about his legs snapping. Like mm. I'm, I'm hoping that he doesn't run into injuries that Ralph Sampson ended up having later in his career. Right. Yeah, I hope he doesn't run into any Sam Bowie type injuries, etc. Because the great exactly Yao Ming. Because the greatest asset you can be to a team is be available, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unless you suck. Right. And then they're like, I don't want you to be available. Yeah, then you being on the bench is a, a massive boon, yeah. yes. Right, yeah, be a cheerleader. Right. So like but that's my thing with Wen Binyama. He has been impressive. I like to um several of his blocks that he's had this season. Um, he's had some really nice guard moves um, where he was super confident with his dribble and he did a quick pull up. Um, he had that ridiculous dunk on Thomas Bryan in the preseason, the, the, you know, right over his head. He's had, he's, he's pulling up from three effortlessly. 
and that's really nice. Who's going to block it? Who's going to block it? Who's going to block it exactly? Because it's basically between him, the ball, and the hoop at that point, right? Mm. Because he doesn't have to worry about somebody blocking his three. It's basically all on him whether he makes that shot. So let's see what happens. The ceiling is high. I just don't want him to be limited, and I don't want him to get hurt. No, I, I absolutely agree. And that is going to be the, the question moving forward, health, further development of his skills. But I, I'm with you. It's great for the league, very intriguing to watch, very fun to watch. And this is what we want to see. We want to see talented and promising players come in that are interesting to watch because we've talked about it before that sometimes the league focuses a little bit too much on one or two players in particular. And having a, a galaxy of stars, which is how they promoted it back in, in our day, in the, in the 90s and the, the eras that we... Uh, hold dear in our hearts we had this we had this galaxy of stars and new players coming in and intriguing promising young players coming in so yeah it there are certainly question marks there and and concerns but yeah very intriguing prospect i'm looking forward to watching him i love watching him get up and down the floor right how yeah. crazy is it to see a guy move like that and that's kind of like how ralph sampson uh you know, was at that height. I have footage of Ralph Sampson sprinting from one length of the court to the other and catching a lob way above the rim, right? And it just looks freakish. It's amazing. Um, and just imagine that guy in your local gym, Andrew, seven four, seven five, moving like that and throwing it down. Your jaw would hit the floor. Just wild stuff. Uh, I wanted to bring up Trey Young real quick. So people got to realize Trey Young. You know, people look at him as like still somewhat of a new player. This is his sixth season. In the NBA, he's a veteran, Andrew. Six years. And at what point do the Hawks give up on him? So in the first couple of games of the season, again, it's early on in the season, but he's shooting 23% from the floor. Um, his game doesn't look any different to me. It's just, it's a lot of the same stuff. His mechanics look the same and everything. Can you win with Trey Young is, you know, a big question. You know, it didn't work with Trey Young and John Hall, John Collins, who some people were trying to compare them to like Nash and Stoudemire. I don't even know where the hell that came from because they're not yeah. even close type of thing. Um, but Atlanta, uh, I don't think they're going to get the right pieces around him. And I don't think he can be a leader on uh, a championship contending team, to be completely honest with you. So Trey Young watch is on, you know, what happens with him. And speaking of John Collins, that jazz team is sneaky good. With John Collins, you know, Jordan Clarkson, I think they have Taylor Horton Tucker now um, playing a decent amount of minutes. Uh, they have Laurie Markinen, a.k.a. Laurie Bird, who <laughs> I hate that nickname for him, but that's what everybody was calling him last season, um, who his career has been revitalized after the Bulls almost ruined it. And he's fulfilling his potential and he's hitting his ceiling and he's, you know, he's going out there and showing what he can do, you know, at his, what, seven feet? Height, like people got to realize how tall these guys are. He's seven feet tall, and he is just an absolute gunner from the perimeter. That Jazz team is sneaky good, and they're really fun to watch. One of my favorite teams to watch. So I'll try to tune into a bunch of games from them. Uh, the Jimmy Butler rest day, Andrew. Already, we got rest days for Jimmy Butler. We've had a few rest days for players around the league already in the first few games of the season. Uh, what are your What's your thoughts on that? I, I think that. This needs to be cracked down on even more. Wasn't Charles Barkley pushing back on that once again, saying you're, you're getting paid this much money, you've got the, the best medical treatment, you've got you're flying you're flying you know pers uh, private jets and everything, and yet you still can't play two or three times a week at least. Yeah, I, I think it's ridiculous, uh, especially for the money you're getting. And 
I think I heard that 10 players last year played in all 82 games. And I was surprised it was that high because back in, again, the 80s and 90s, more physical era, you would get 40, 50 players playing 82, 81, or at least 80 games. Yeah, even more than that. Um, I think I did the math at one point and I talked about it on holding court with D for three. And um, the number was actually quite a bit higher. Than That's that. right. Yeah. And, um, and the game was pretty physical back then as well. So, no, I'm not a fan of it. Kevin McHale came out in an interview a few years back and said that he thinks it's absolutely insane, which makes sense. I mean, you know, the, he got fired from the Houston Rockets probably because he was completely against you know, a lot of the players' attitudes today. I heard that he butted butted heads with James Harden in practice, and he wanted James Harden to work harder in practice. And, um, you know, Harden didn't like that. And then, boom, Mikhail got, you know, let go. So a couple other intriguing teams um, that are just kind of fun to watch. Andrew, Clippers, uh, you know, it's just always fun to watch Russ play. Um, I think that Westbrook uh, has kind of found new life with the Clippers, a new home. I think that he's going to be instrumental for them to compete. People are talking about that last shot that he took and, you know, Kawhi falling to the floor. But he had no choice but to shoot that in that recent loss that the Clippers had. Uh, There was about 1.5 seconds. Even if he had swung the ball to Kawhi, I don't think Kawhi would have been able to get the shot off. And people need to remember that it was Russell Westbrook that rebounded Kawhi Leonard's miss, which enabled Westbrook to take that last second shot. Kawhi Leonard missed the shot right before Westbrook. So... Um, I think that he's a good fit next to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. The three of those guys just need to stay healthy, Andrew. They need to play the majority of the games together. They need to get a feel for one another. Um, They need to get into a rhythm before the postseason starts and then hit the ground running once it does start. So the Clippers I find intriguing. I think that as long as they stay healthy, they'll be in the thick of it. And the Pelicans also, uh, I think Zion looks really good so far this season. Good to see. I think it's good to see. I think he looks quick. He is a nightmare in isolation situations. He's one of the best ISO players in the league, and he doesn't get enough credit for it. Um, He's a mismatch on any given night because of his quickness at his size. Once he gets you on his hip, he is so strong. You're riding him to the hoop, right? He has really quick flick shots at the rim uh he finishes in traffic constantly um i think that if he stays healthy ingram stays confident and healthy they have a good big in valanchunas um if cj is out there etc they have a very gifted offensive team now they need to buy into the defensive end as as well and zion needs to fulfill that want that he mentioned when he was coming into the league where he said that what he admired most about Michael Jordan was his defense, right? Zion said he wanted to be one of the best defensive players in the league. And I just haven't seen that from him on an NBA floor. I haven't seen the same drive he has on the offensive end on the defensive end. So the Pelicans are uh, fun to watch on any night. Uh, And then obviously the Bucks. the Bucks are interesting. I think that the fact that they were able to get Lillard and still hang on to Middleton and Lopez, you know, core championship players and Pat Connaughton who moved into a starting role last season and is starting again this season. I think that even if Lillard does go down at some point or they take quote unquote rest days, they have enough to stay 500 or above because of that core, right? Because of that experience and, and whatnot. So the Bucks are going to be interesting. Do I think that they're a championship team? Um, not really. I, 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 I'm not 100% convinced. 
yet uh, I'm not really a fan of a star in his prime, like Greek Freak, uh, who said that it's Lillard's team. I know that's probably a confidence boost for Lillard, but you know you're a, you're the Greek Freak, right? You have an NBA champion. You're Finals MVP. Yeah, you're a Finals MVP. If he hands the keys too much to Lillard, who you know hasn't pulled through in the playoffs in the past, if if he defers too much, that could hurt that team. Right. So it's that 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 duo, in my opinion, is still up in the air. But, you know, we've done a lot of talking about the NBA this year. I will say I've been enjoying it for the most part, Andrew. I think that the the play style has been still a little concerning because you're still getting the, you know, the 80 to 93s going up, both teams combined each game sometimes it does seem like a three-point fest i'd like to see more work in the high post i'd like to see more teams utilizing mismatches i'd like to see you know more post work etc but i think what's making me watch more games this season so far is the balance of the league number one number two just the overall effort i I just feel like more effort both sides of the ball and it does make it you know more exciting it does, and I'm glad to see it. I'm, as I said, I'm going to give it a go, I'll give it more of a chance this year, and push push aside that cynicism and and focus on the players I enjoy watching, the teams I enjoy watching. Obviously, you know, going to be cheering on the Bulls, but not feeling optimistic about their chances with the way things are shaping up, early as it may be. But we're seeing more of the same as previous years. But a lot of intriguing stories around the league. There is definitely talent in the league, and you know what? As much as the All Star Game has gone down go down the toilet quite frankly i am glad to see that the that the east versus west format and the that is back and that the elam format is gone just there was no need for any of that ridiculous absolutely ridiculous they ever went away from the east west format the the drafting and the random teams etc in my opinion gimmicky. just wasn't painting so, at all gimmicky you know one thing that was cool that they used to do with the east and west is you know they would give the the winning team obviously like you know a prize like a money prize and then donation to charity and stuff like that i i think that that that's just the way it should always be right like east west give them something to play for best players representing both co- um, conferences you know the the donation portion of it you know the community involvement portion of it and then you know give them obviously uh, you know some monetization as well in order to make them play harder like i think that that's the perfect game you know for all-star break so we're feeling a bit more optimistic about things. Well, we're definitely diving into the NBA with a bit more enthusiasm this year. But uh, you put out the question to the community about uh, how other people are feeling about the NBA so far this year. And uh, we have a couple of responses here. And first up, we have Nate Starshow, one of the NBA Live 01 legends, of course, says, Victor W's rookie season is the only thing keeping me interested. I'm too nostalgic for pack the paint, iso ball, as opposed to spacing, drive and kick, three-point contest. And yeah, although we've said that we are feeling a bit more positive about what we've seen so far, that definitely is still a thing. Oh, no, 100%. I think that, um, in my opinion, the best basketball I've ever watched is watching videos on YouTube of 80s hoops. I love the 80s NBA. I loved how it was incredibly fast-paced, but also at the same time, uh, you know, they utilize the mid range, the high post, you know, the low post, et cetera, constant rim running, et cetera. Like uh, the, the ball movement 
just amazing in the 80s touch passes give and goes you know a lot of screen setting etc like 80s and ni- 80s 90s and early mid 2000s are all just absolutely a pleasure to watch for me from a basketball perspective and not just at the pro level but also at the college level and Nate it, it's funny how that works because you know I know you play in rec leagues I'm in a rec league currently and it's 18 plus so it's like an all ages league and the style that they're playing in the NBA has absolutely infiltrated rec league so it's even affecting how I view and enjoy playing real basketball which is insane I I just watched a game today between two teams and very little defense overall played and it was just like three pointers on every other possession and sometimes just on consecutive possessions and with barely any ball movement. It was usually just one pass to a wing and a three or the guy dribbling up the court was firing from three. So it that, that play style that you don't enjoy, that overall I don't enjoy, that Andrew doesn't enjoy, it's infiltrating rec leagues and it sucks. And not surprisingly... The other Liber 1 legend, Roger Ward, has similar thoughts. Says, I still enjoy watching my Cavs. They're a likable team with tremendous upside. I watch the 10-minute highlight packages on YouTube most days of other teams. I don't enjoy watching 40-plus threes a game, no defense, and tons of traveling, though. Yeah, the, the traveling and the carrying is crazy this year. Um, it feels like they're letting players get, a, get away with more than ever. Uh, <laughs> is, you'll, it, you'll... is this the N1 mixtape tour, or, or what? Well, at least in the end, I feel like there's actually less carrying and traveling in the end one next door. <laughs> Possibly, uh, but, yeah. But, you know, you'll see a player do, like, quote-unquote, a hesitation dribble, and he's, like, dancing around with his feet while he's doing it. And then he'll take one dribble forward, and then he'll take, like, three steps to the hoop, and they'll they'll be like, oh, well, the first step's a gather step. But it looks like he traveled from the three-point line all the way to the hoop, right? Like That's a big just, gather. Huge gather. Um, but the players know how to take advantage of it and they utilize it, you know, as part of their main play package, like the way they play and their and whatnot. So, no, I definitely agree with that. The Cavs are an interesting team. Uh, I think that the development of Evan Mobley alongside uh, alongside players like Donovan Mitchell is incredibly intriguing. I'd like to see Evan Mobley uh, fulfill his potential. He is a long player like his wingspan is crazy he had a dunk the other night where he looked like stretch armstrong out there and when you have that wingspan combined with athleticism and a decent touch uh you can be super deadly especially around a player like donovan mitchell who kind of gets in between the seams and can kind of help you out you know as a playmaker so that team i do think that the Cavs are an interesting team and next up we have the light king steve says, the games have been pretty good so far. My paces are deep. They should be playoff bound. Wemby has been impressive keeping the Spurs in games. His development is going to be crazy to witness. And I think we're all watching Wemby. I got to say something about Tyrese Halliburton real quick. So Ty- Tyrese Halliburton is a six foot five point guard, right? Magic Johnson was a six nine point guard. Have you seen Tyrese Halliburton shoot the ball, Andrew? It's almost exactly like Magic Johnson. They have a very, very, very similar shot. They're both like one hand, kind of just like under the ball, kind of pushing it from like their chin area, right? Like their chin, nose area. 
and they even have their feet set similarly. And I just remember reading things about people saying how Magic, um, who, where, which he wasn't, he ended up being a very good three-point shooter like later in his career, how Magic wasn't a good shooter or that his shot was too slow or low and that he wouldn't be able to like get it off as much today. Meanwhile, I'm watching Tyrese Halliburton four inches shorter than Magic with basically the same shot shoot 40. He, last year, he shot 40% from three on 7.2 attempts per game. Like, if you're going to critique, like, players from the past, like, you better be able to have something to back it up, right? Yeah. yeah. And, like, I can point to many cases where players have shots where they release, they're shorter than Magic Johnson, they release it slower than Magic Johnson, they often, and they often have a lower release than Magic Johnson, and they're getting off shots with no issues and whatnot. That Pacers team is interesting. I think Tyrese Halliburton somehow is still on like a revenge tour um, because he's very confident about his game and um, still feels like he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Remember the comments from Wally Zerbiak, who he said that Tyrese Halliburton was basically like a pretend all-star, like he was a pretend star, like that he wasn't like a great player, et cetera. And then Tyrese Halliburton um, ended up making the all-star team and whatnot. And then he also had that trade from the Kings I think that I feel like Tyrus Halliburton is on this continuing revenge tour based on all this stuff that's been said about him and if that's happened in the past. I mean, I like to see a player motivated. I mean, you and I are Michael Jordan fans. We certainly know what it's like to see a, a player take things personally and, you know, to, to be motivated and to try and shut up the haters. That That is legitimate motivation. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that, you know, if you have that quote unquote dog in you, Andrew, is what they call it. Um, if you have that dog in you, if you have that fire in you and, you know, you hear something like that from uh, a commentator or from a coach or, you know, from, you know, another player, et cetera, it's only more fuel for the fire and you're going to come back better than ever. I think, you know, you'll come out of it even a better player. So that is cool to see. And heading over to our Facebook page now, uh, Lowell says, it's still too early to root for a team, but I'll say Denver, and hopefully they shut down the chatters against them. It would also be nice to see a healthy Clippers team. And yeah, it goes back to what we said, that the Nuggets are not getting enough respect as a defending champion. And, and once again, Derek, shutting up the haters, shutting up the critics. Unbelievable that you can be an underdog in such a big way when you just want a championship, right? But in reality, that's the way the Nuggets are looked at. And they're still not given the credit they deserve, even though they have one of the best point guards and steadiest point guards in the game in Jamal Murray and one of the most all-around big men we've seen in a long time in Jokic. And they have rim runners and, you know, good defensive players like Aaron Gordon. And they just have the pieces to get it done and play great basketball at an NBA level. So I, I think that... um yeah, I, I think that the underdog story about the Nuggets is fascinating. And I also want them to prove the doubters wrong. I want them to continue, continue to play great basketball, play it the right way, and shut people up. So we have a few more responses. Another one from Facebook here from Six Man of the Year. Says, love that D-Rose is balling in Memphis. Have you seen his pregame dance? He's a Pacers fan anyway. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to see Derek Rose come back to Chicago. Honestly, Derek, just to have one last run with the Bulls and hopefully a healthy one. I know, obviously, he's well past his prime. It wasn't going to lead to anything spectacular as far as team success, but just for the nostalgia of the run and to give him a bit of a, a send-off with the, with the team where he uh, started his NBA career. But, of course, now he's back in Memphis where he played college ball. So that's kind of cool, too. He seems happy. 
yeah. in Memphis. Um, however, things are, are going to drastically change when John Morant comes back. Right. Um, we're going to see what happens to Derek Rose's minutes. Um, we're going to see how the team performs when Morant comes back and Rose has less minutes. It could, you know, impact, um, you know, how prominent he is in the rotations in general, but he still has it. You know, you watch him move and, you know, his first step is still there. He's, he's craftier around the rim because he's lost some of his athleticism. So you see some of his craft, his craftiness now around the rim. He still has a decent pull up. Um, he's never been a great shooter, but he, he has a decent pull up and, um, he does try to get after it on defense. So it is nice to see a guy like Derek Rose, who was, you know, when you, when you talked about Derrick Rose, when he was younger, what'd you talk about his athleticism, Andrew, right? Explosiveness. Yeah. Flying dunk, throwing it down on Drogic. Um, that famous call by Stacey King, you, you know, you, you talk about, um, his unbelievable cockback dunks on teams like the Miami heat, you know, on the, you know, when they were the big three over there and, you know, his unbelievable first step and his, his crossover and all that stuff, you know, it's nice to see a player who was primarily known for that back then. And it was a big pack part of his game package, like, you know, how he played to be able to like lose a lot of that and still be a good NBA player. Like it's nice to still, you know, to see how crafty he is and how smart he is as a basketball player and how skilled he truly is. Absolutely. And to see a player be able to play that, play out their career and end their career on their terms is one of the reasons I was so glad to see Grant Hill have that second run of his career. Was it as good as it was shaping up to be uh, before the injuries? No, but he had that token all-star appearance. I actually didn't mind that. I thought that was great that he was rewarded with that one more all-star appearance when he had a pretty good year, pretty good bounce back year finally with the Magic and had uh, carved out a second half of his career, a second act, if you will, as a, a solid role player. So yeah, I'm glad to see it for Rose as well. For a bit there, though, it felt like the Clippers was a place where players went for their career to die. Like you had Paul Pierce there yeah. at the end, a shell of his former self, and then you had Grant Hill join the Clippers um, right at the tail end of his career, and his minutes drastically dropped, and his career died. Um, you had Dan Ranger there, Anton Jameson. Right, exactly. Like you could, There's more players, too. But it felt like for a while there, the Clippers just had these guys who used to be such great players, just some awesome players, just their careers just ending with that team, which I, 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 I always find that interesting. Bit of a retirement tour team for a while there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, heading over to the NLC Discord now, Juicy Shackmeat says, so far I'm loving the basketball action, particularly from my favorite team, Detroit Pistons. Their young core has been healthy, impressing me with hustle and defense that slightly resembles their past championship teams. They nearly beat the defending East champions Miami Heat in the season opener and convincingly won yesterday's game versus the Hornets. I uh, I haven't been able to watch the Pistons. I, I haven't tuned into any of their games, but I will let you know my thoughts, Juicy Shack Meat, when I am able to you know catch a few Pistons games. Uh, Cade Cunningham is uh, apparently putting up good numbers, Andrew. Apparently, um, he's showing some of his true potential this year. So let's see what happens with that team. And the Hornets is another team that uh, they're an interesting watch at times, but they're also super frustrating. I think that they never feel like they're playing like a unit, to be honest. And I'm not really a fan of LaMelo Ball, the player. But um, the Hornets and the Pistons, I haven't really been able to tune into games from them. Well, we do know that the Pistons can withstand 51 points from Zach Levine. So there is definitely that. But I'm not going to give them too much credit because the Bulls are kind of a mess. But no, I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying your uh, young team come together like that. 
And finally, we have Badger, also over on the NLC Discord, longtime forum member as well, says, It started very well. However, it has shown signs that the league needs an expansion. The talent level got very high. Hopefully, new TV deal will convince the league and other owners to expand. Looking forward to a team in Vegas and Seattle. In NHL, Vegas Golden Knights came along very well. Everybody knows Aja and the Aces. The NBA needs one too. And I, I don't know that the league necessarily needs to expand from a talent standpoint, but I would like to see a team back in Seattle. I will say that. Yeah, I don't agree about the talent piece. I think there's still a lot of really poor teams with incredibly weak benches out there. Uh, I, I think that we haven't had a 1996 draft class come through. We haven't had a 1984 draft class come through or 2003, et cetera. I think that the talent coming up, like the draft classes, have not been as strong as many of the past ones um, and i just named three i i think that expansion would be exciting i think it'd be exciting for the fan you know the fans of the nba for fans of basketball to see a new team new colors um you know a new floor all of that stuff um you know just kind of like a bunch of players put together to see how they perform all of that stuff like i do think it would be exciting and i do think it's coming um, but as far as from a talent perspective, um, I, I don't agree with that piece. But thank you to everybody who responded to that. It's uh, it's nice to hear that other people are enjoying the NBA, Derek, and looking forward to this season. But I think a lot of us longtime fans do have those concerns about the, the style. That's probably not going anywhere. But, you know, as you said, the effort is there early on, and that hasn't always been there in the regular season. So I'm glad to see it. Uh, we'll see how the in-season tournament works out. Glad to hear about the All-Star game going back to its traditional format. And uh, yeah, once again, I want to approach this season with a bit more of an open mind, a bit more optimism, and see how it goes. Yeah, effort can make up for a lot of poor aspects of a basketball game, right? Like, I, I think that effort, seeing players really go at each other, you know, both teams competing at an incredibly high level, um, that can be entertaining in itself. Remember, remember people like Andrew and I come from a time where we would be unbelievably entertained and on the edge of our seat of a playoff game that ended in like a final score of 82 to 80, right? yes, yes. 78 to 74. And the reason why those games were so entertaining was because it would be like the, the Pistons and the Spurs and they'd be physical and they would be going at it and they they would be like every board was being fought for you know they were you know attacking the the basket there was post work there was mid-range work it was all about you know are were they going to be able to get this mismatch were they going to be were they going to take advantage of it etc like those games were so fun to watch andrew right that's why the 2005 finals which is what i just talked about pistons and spurs was so entertaining both of those teams just the competitive nature of that finals was unreal people talk about pistons lakers but that pistons spurs finals was just unbelievable right so yeah i think effort can make up for a lot well people focus on the low scores without looking at the pace of the game obviously but also the defense the physicality the effort that every bucket felt earned well i say every bucket certainly there were easy ones as well here and there but when you do have that dedication to defense when you do have the rules that allow that kind of hard-nosed tough defense then there's more meaning because the plays have overcome great defense to the score it's, it has been a case of great defense better offense but yeah effort absolutely matters think about this people which is more exciting a wide open dunk 
or a dunk on someone's head. Mm. Why is the dunk on someone's head more fun to watch? Why is it more impressive? Why is it more exciting? Why are they posters? Right, right, exactly. Why why do they make better posters? Exactly. Um, Because that they had to overcome adversity on that dunk. They had to dunk it on somebody's head. They had to, you know, overcome a defender who was trying to stop them from throwing it down. And that the, the, you know, the offensive player was able to, you know, make them eat leather. So like, yeah, think about that as an example. And before we wrap up this week's show, uh, obviously had a lot of fun talking about real basketball this week, but just a, uh, to touch on basketball gaming, obviously we do play basketball games. That is what we're all about here at the NLSC. It is the Halloween special, Derek. What are some of your favorite horror themes in basketball games? There's, there's been a few cheat codes and so forth that unlock spooky uh, decorations and so forth. Uh, so do you have any favorite horror elements on the uh, on the virtual hardwood? Not really. I, I think that, honestly, the what you brought forward on NBA Jam on Fire Edition with the skeletons roaming the court and, you know, headless Hank throwing it down and all that stuff, I think that stands out as awesome. And obviously the graphics in that game, because they're the PS3 gen, it really stands out and is, is super unique. I, I, I will say that in last year's top 10, submitted by Hangtime HMA, there was a highlight from NBA Live 98 where the aliens were out there playing, right? Mm. Like it's a of five aliens and that is one of my favorite themes in video games because i think it looks really cool in that game and it's fun to you know move the ball around with the aliens and throw it down with them and you know shoot outside shots and all of that stuff so like those are two of my favorite and that's what i love about old games those traditional codes where you could unlock something crazy it wasn't the core part of the gameplay but it was that extra that was fun to read about in a magazine or online and then punching that code and find it and there are the aliens in live 98 ps1 there's also a clown outfit as well you can unlock and also a teddy bear which is not so scary obviously uh, except for that new uh, winnie the pooh movie but we don't need to go into that but i watched um, do not need to go into that i just want to let people know the winnie the pooh horror movie oh, blood and honey yeah uh yeah it I watched it the other night, Andrew. Yeah. It's exactly what I was expecting. And it was bad. It wasn't very, it was not a good movie. Uh, but I, I, I will say this. I was entertained throughout. <laughs> I was entertained through the beginning to the end of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. But it, it's not, I will say again, it's not a good movie. Not, not, <laughs> not, not recommended at the same time? Enjoyed it, but not recommended? Exactly. So apart from that, I would have to agree that Things like the Skeleton Crew and NBA Jam on Fire Edition are definitely fun. But I also wanted to bring up a game from the uh, Sega Master System that was released in uh, Europe, Australia, Canada, Mexico, and Brazil uh, called Basketball Nightmare. Uh, Have you heard of this one? I have not. So this is a basketball game, as I said, for the uh, Master System, the 8-bit Sega Master System. Uh, The player is a captain of the hometown basketball team. And I'm reading off the uh, synopsis from Wikipedia here. Before he can prepare his team to win the All-American Tournament, he starts to have strange dreams about playing basketball in exotic locations against exotic creatures. And there's a a cemetery court going against werewolves and vampires and other uh, such uh, horror characters like that. And these are the weird kind of basketball games and video games that were made uh, in our childhood. And we talked about the, the lack of basketball games a couple of episodes ago. And... Yeah, these are the kinds of things that we're missing out on. Are they necessarily the best games? No, but they're very memorable. If you if you played them growing up, uh, you you do, you do remember them. I didn't play this one growing up, but I did find out about it. Uh, check it out on YouTube. It's uh, it's kind of crazy. 
Kind of like Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, right? Memorable, but not great. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I love little nuggets like that. I, I think that, um, you know, you, you're making me want to check out a cheat code website, Andrew. Mm. You're making me want to put on NBA Jam and, and unlock some secret characters. You're making me want to see if there's any cheat codes out there for other basketball games that I love um, in order to, or, you know, played in the past and see if there's any, you know, Halloween themed or any other theme, you know, that would be enjoyable to play. Um, but no, I had never heard of that. Definitely check it out on YouTube. It's, uh, as I say, it's, it's kind of crazy to see, but a, a creative concept. And, and again, that is something that we don't see as much of in games these days. It's still there, obviously, but I think a lot of developers and publishers want to go very safe with their, uh, with their properties these days. Understandably so, but at the same time, outside of the indie scene, you don't necessarily see that, uh, creativity but again another idea for a an indie basketball game something wacky and crazy like that like a dunk lords are you volunteering andrew to uh, create one yeah are you volunteering you know to open up unreal engine or unity and, and get the ball rolling no i'd rather sit here and criticize other people for not doing it while being lazy myself <laughs> there we go we're in the same boat sounds good but uh with that being said that has brought us to the end of this week's show as always we thank you for tuning in and invite you to join us again next week and every week either on the NLSC, mb-live.com, our YouTube channel, or your podcast app of choice. In the meantime, please connect with us on social media. That's where you can get in touch with us. And of course, stay up to date with all of our content. So Derek, go ahead and log the handles. Hey, you can reach me on X at D43G and at D4384. I'm on the NLSC, D43, and on YouTube, D43. I am Andrew in the forum, Andrew NLSC on X. The NLSC is on X and Facebook at the NLSC. We're also NLC Basketball on Instagram and Threads. We're on YouTube at youtube.com slash Center, And of course, give a look to the NLC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. So, thank you once again for tuning in, and until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>